listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buxov, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Season's greetings, everyone. The holiday season is upon us and with it, the dawn of a new year. I can't think of a better episode to wrap up the sixth season of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast than what you're about to hear. My guest has a bunch of treats for us in store filled with juicy and relatable information. The most important being that healing is within. You heal you, no one else, period. If there is one thing I've learned on the holistic journey, it's this. We talk microbes, theories of disease, personal stories, and practical tips for anyone to implement immediately. Let's welcome Cheryl Passwater, a fellow herbalist and functional medicine coach. Cheryl got into the healing world on her own journey, a long road of dealing with parasites, mold toxicity, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, gut issues, food intolerances, leaky gut, chronic inflammation, and immune system gone wild. That healing journey led her into the world of fermentation. That journey led her to health coaching. That journey led her to herbal medicine and that journey ultimately into functional medicine. She's passionate about helping people reclaim their health, happiness, vitality, and become their strongest selves. Cheryl is AFMC certified in applied functional medicine, a certified health coach, master fermentationist, artist, writer, and podcaster. So join me for this amazing episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have a very dear friend here and a guest on this episode. It's Cheryl Passwater. She's wearing many hats, including the one she's actually got on. She's a functional medicine practitioner, master fermentationist, and health coach. So welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we met online in my holistic pharmacist group, and we've been following each other's work ever since. We had a Facebook Live. We talked about post-COVID and other things. Um, And uh, you lived for a long time in Brooklyn, which is where I live. So tell us a little bit about, you know, where you hail from um, and a little bit about your journey into functional medicine. Um, Sure. So again, my name is Cheryl Passwater. Um, Yeah, I I guess originally hail from the harvest land state of Indiana, (laughs) Um, but I lived in New York City and Brooklyn for 16 years. Um, I actually um, ended up there for graduate school. Um, I have a master's degree in art history and also MFA in painting. Um, So I have a background in the art world. Um, And then I currently hail from Atlanta, Georgia. or live in Atlanta, Georgia. 
That's great. So um, how did your background influence the journey that you took into your profession and, you know, changing your career paths or integrating different things into it along the way, like, you know, growing up in Indiana and what made you to move to New York City and eventually now reside in Atlanta, if you can maybe talk about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I moved to New York City um, originally to be an artist. <laughs> I was already working in the art world. Um, when I left undergrad, I was working as an artist, um, working in arts education as well. Um, and then my late 20s decided to go to graduate school. So I ended up at the Pratt Institute um, and went through my dual master's degree programs. And I was working and TAing and interning. And um, that's a lot of stuff to do over, over a three-year period um, and just in general. And I had always had like problems with like colds and, you know, I had shingles in my early twenties, like lots of things that were kind of creeping up that were like immune system, um, you know, maybe a little bit on fire. And I just, you know, didn't know any better at the time. I um, didn't grow up in holistic medicine world. I, um, you know, didn't really, you know, know any better, do any other things. Um, but when I left graduate school, um, it was like, I walked across the stage of graduation and my body just gave out. And I kind of constantly been sick, um, lots of ear infections and asthma and bronchitis and just so much respiratory, um, distress. And I just kind of felt like I was always sick. Um, but I left grad school and about six months later, it was just like, I was greenish, the gray, greenish gray, like Kermit, the frog. Um, I just always felt like crap. Um, I was having asthma attacks almost weekly at that point going to the, you know, emergency room, going to Bellevue, going to this, going to that, you know, and I'd go to doctors and they'd be like, oh, well, you just need antibiotics. And the antibiotic, you know, <laughs> hamster wheel, just multiple rounds of antibiotics or you need more steroids, um, you know, or, you know, we can, you know, just not really getting anywhere. It just kind of felt like band-aids and, nobody was really doing anything for me. And I actually woke up in the middle of the night one night. It was the night before my um, 30th birthday. And I woke up and some, I was having an asthma attack, but I swear it was the universe. It was like a divine intervention. It was like, you're going to die if you don't do something drastic. Um, so I actually ended up going, selling all my music gear. Um, so I used to play in a bunch of bands. I walked down to a pawn shop. I sold all my music gear. I walked into a, a holistic practitioner acupuncturist office who I had talked to like the week before. And I was just like, I don't know how I could ever afford this person. And I walked in, I put a water cash on her table and I was like, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'm going to die. <laughs> I will, I will do anything. I had been a vegetarian for 15 years. I was like, I will eat meat. I was prepared <laughs> to do that. Like, I was just like, I cannot keep going like this. Like I was, you know, sleeping 12 hours a day and going to work and coming home and taking like a three hour nap. So I was sleeping like 15 hours a day. It was just like, I was always either asleep or laying around with no energy. And I just felt cruddy. So I started changing my diet and, um, making some big changes. I worked with her for about a year and my immune system was just finally starting to really recover quite a bit. And then, um, I decided to do a candida cleanse for like a year and I was just like, okay, so it's no sugar, it's no alcohol. 
low sugar fruit and eat real food like supplements. I was like, I can do this. And I was so dirt poor. Um, I had all these hospital bills. In fact, I spent that about six months of that year, completely homeless out of housing, paying off my medical bills and like crashing with friends, subletting, staying wherever I needed to do. But I stayed on that freaking candida cleanse. And at the end of the year, I healed my asthma. I never had another asthma attack. And I was just like this, like really mind blowing thing of like, crap, we can heal ourselves. Like if you really want it, you can do it. And it was both mental game and like the physical game and other, um, fast forward a little bit further, maybe a year later. Um, I was just reading like a lot of Sally Fallon and Michael Pollan and the China studies, just like all these books. I was just constantly going to the library, checking out books. And again, still dirt poor, <laughs> stinky New York city summer, you know, just completely, um, you know, sweaty balls, riding your bike everywhere. And, um, the person I was subletting my apartment from had left her kombucha scooby behind. And she was like, you know, just ferment something if you want to. And I was just like, and I remember reading this book one night because I've been reading about fermentation here and there, but this is kind of before like fermentation became a buzzword. Um, this is before I knew who Sandra Katz was. This is before a lot of things. And I was staring at this kombucha scoby one night and it just like occurred to me that every culture in the world eats fermented food, but us, but we're the sickest. And I was um, mentally... <laughs> It was like, wow. And then um, just as somebody who likes making stuff and process and I think just my artist brain, I was like, okay. So I started making kombucha. I was making too much. I started making sauerkraut and other things. And um, I was giving to friends. And next thing I knew I was selling to friends. And the next thing I knew I had started this rogue mafia style fermentation CSA in Brooklyn. Um, and so I had it in the back of a CSA for a while and a coffee shop. Eventually I had a refrigerator locked up in an alley behind my friend's bar. You would get the code, put, get your ferments, put your cash in the jar, lock it back up, <laughs> walk back out. Um, and I may saved up enough money to go back to school to study fermentation, um, some herbalism, a little this, a little that, some health coaching stuff. And then um, I contraband ferments was sort of born out of that whole thing. So, um, and I was still working on my own healing, you know, at the time and my own stuff and feeling like, am I ever going to get to the root cause? Like, you ever find like the real, why am I always like, and I was always this thing where I was like, I was so radically better, but I could never quite get over, get over the edge. And later on, um, I found out mold toxicity and some other things were, um, have been a big part of my lifelong, um, journey and, you know, mission to reclaim my own immune system. Um, but yeah, so contraband ferments happen. I started randomly teaching. I got asked to teach a couple of workshops and I thought, Oh, this will be fun. I'll practice whatever. And then that kind of blew up and I was teaching about 250 in-person workshops, um, leading up to the pandemic. And then, um, I finally decided to go back to functional medicine school really because I'm tired of seeing people push through the system. Um, and I was spending 30 to 60 minutes at the end of every fermentation workshop, you know, helping people try to deal with their own gut stuff or find good practitioners or just being again, pushed around the same way I had kind of put been pushed around. And I was like, well, when you see stuff like that and you've been through it yourself, you either do something or you sit on your hands and I'm going to do something kind of lady. So that's the long version of the short version. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Well, thank you so much for painting that vivid picture for us. I mean, I could really see that you are an artist just as much as with your words as with other mediums, potentially. Um, and you're speaking into so many things that we talk about on this podcast, which is really like how acute care does have an amazing role. But when you're getting the same exact back and forth in and outside of the hospital rotating door, like something else is going on and we can't just keep giving a Band-Aid or an antibiotic when, you know, it's just so consistent and so persistent. And, uh, you know, functional medicine it has really coined its term and in, in getting down to the root. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to my herbal teacher, uh, Vanessa Chakour, for writing Awakening Artemis. And she talks about having asthma and other things, too, that she was able to heal with plants and plant medicine. And it's not just about like ingesting a plant instead of ingesting a drug or anything like that. It's really about what you're describing, like a healing journey and, and get, getting down to layers and working with multiple practitioners to get down to that. What And it's usually not just one root cause, right? We always talk about that. There's multiple yeah. factors, there's internal and external things contributing to it. And like you said, the mind-body connection of like, having that perseverance and that will to even make these changes to what we're putting inside our body and having access to those things too with our budgets and you know you touched on so many important points that people encounter on their healing journeys and sometimes it's not just going to be like okay i go to the practitioner and they're my savior it, there's just you know you, you might have to work with somebody who teaches you and motivates you as a coach somebody else who maybe runs a test on you, you know, somebody else that maybe helps you more with like a body connection or actually moves your physical body in certain ways. Like I know you like the chiropractor, we talked about that. So it, it's not that there's this one savior out there, right. And everybody has to go to that savior. It's that we are, like you said, our own savior, our own healer. And there's sometimes just multiple levels to it that we have to unravel. Yeah. But you 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 nailed you nailed it. I nailed <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> you nailed it. Well, I always say you know it's like we have many teachers, right? Also through life, and so um, you know I was recently at my acupuncturist's um, office, and um, he has this shelf kind of tucked up in the corner of his office, and he's got all these little photos and frames of his teachers, just the people who have taught him and taught him well and transformed him both as a person, as a practitioner. And I was like, I remember like being like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to do that in my own office. <laughs> I was like, I love that. Right. It's like, it's a little bit of homage and it's remembering like your roots and where you've come from and the people who have helped you and the, the people who have taught you and, you know, healing is so um, multi-layered, you know, there are things that 20 years ago I would have never been open to that I'm open to now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's so true of the herbal lineages as well, where we are taught, we're like descendants of different herbal traditions and teachers. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like go to university, get this degree, sign it by the dean or, you know, by this uh, person who handles licensure. It's, it's much more personal and healing is personal. It's a personal journey. And like you also said, you have to be open and willing to make those changes. And that's such a key component, which is why it does take, you know, they say that it takes a village to raise a child. It also takes, you know, a lot of community. Um, and that's also a missing piece, I think, is 
like COVID was showing us, isolating our, each other and ostracizing each other and dividing each yeah. other is counterproductive. You know, so if we study like loneliness as a contributing factor to mortality and morbidity with cardiac disease, which is what was at the root with a lot of issues, even with COVID or without COVID, it's still a leading cause of death and it just yeah. compounded with all these other things. So I love that you said about that culture, right? Cultures, cu cultures, culture, right? Essentially all cultures, culture, food. So um, I want to talk a little bit about your fermentation journey and gut health. And if you could just also speak to um, the candida diet as well, because there's some controversy about kombucha or other sort, sorts of um, fermentation, including with dairy. So can you bust some myths for us here? <laughs> um, sure. So um, let's talk about candida, <laughs> I guess. So, um, and it's funny, I just did an Instagram live earlier today with my friend, Jessica at um, Full Circle Wellness. And I was talking about this a little bit, but I was like, you know, nothing lives in a vacuum, <laughs> like nothing. There's not any one medicine that's necessarily going to work. Everybody's bodies are different. What works for you isn't necessarily going to work for me. And I think fermentation is the same way. I think a lot of people think like fermentation is a cure-all and I'm like, this is powerful medicine, but it, it isn't a cure-all. And while in theory, our bodies are meant to be able to tolerate, handle, accept fermented foods on a regular basis. That's why our ancestors always use them. And um, we unfortunately live in a world full of um, toxins and chemicals and exposures and fluoride and chemtrails and the stuff we put on our skins, you know, estrogens, all kinds of things. And um, those all interfere with our gut and our gut's ability to handle fermented food. Um, but there's like, you know, I like to put fermented foods sort of in categories. And I think this is a good way of explaining it. So there are foods that are fermented that are you know, what are called lacto-fermentation, lactic acid um, fermentation. And those are things that are more like vegetables. So I would say, you know, sauerkraut or kimchi or pickles, stuff like that. Bacteria is like the kind of main vein or category, um, you know, of those foods. You know, there are other ferments that are more yeast-based. So if you think sourdough bread, you think um, vinegar is another really good one. Like yeast is their... <laughs> they're thriving most notable thing. They're like, that's their kind of category. And then we have ferments that are mold based. So if you're thinking, you know, miso and amazake, koji, um, you know, et cetera, those things all tempeh, those things all sort of are in their own zone. And then there are some ferments that can cross in between um, things. And so when we're talking about something like candida, which is, you know, a systematic yeast overgrowth, um, you know, it's, it's tricky because some people would say candida, no fermented foods. Some people would say candida, maybe only certain things. And, um, you know, I, I tend to depending on the level of candida and tending on, um, depending on how well that person can clear histamine in general, um, sort of, you know, shifts how I decide to guide somebody, I guess. Um, but you know, with candida, I would say for, a chunk of people, and I'm not going to say all people, because again, nothing is always in, is always black and white. Um, 
you know, I, you know, a lot of times like a little bit of fermented vegetables, a little bit of dairy, kefir can be, um, really helpful for people while they're going through clearing that candida, um, a little bit of yogurt. Um, but then there are some people, they can't handle it. Now the case of kombucha, because kombucha likes to live in that bacteria and yeast space. It is both. I don't usually recommend kombucha as actually a ferment for people who, are dealing with candida. It's just not the best thing necessarily for their bodies. But also we're not intended to be in taking so much fermented stuff. These big bottles of kombucha that they're selling, that's way more kombucha than what we should be drinking in any one sitting. I had another health coach who came to me a couple of years ago and she was like, hey, I have this client. We've been bringing in some ferments, but her reactions are getting worse. I just can't figure out what's going on. And I was like, well, what ferments? And she's like, some fermented vegetables. And I'm like, Okay. And I was like, what else? She's like, well, some kombucha. And I was like, how much kombucha is she drinking? And she was drinking, you know, two, three bottles of kombucha a day and couldn't figure out why she was getting migraines and having all these histamine reactions and all this stuff. And I was like, A, she can't tolerate histamine very well. And B, you know, she's drinking way too much. Kombucha is not the drink for her right now. And that doesn't mean that at some point those foods might not come back in. Um, but sometimes we need a break from them. You know, I'm recovering from mold toxicity still, um, a mold exposure after a building fire, um, four years ago. And that wiped out my microbiome, um, pretty severely too. And like, I just took a year and a half off eating fermented food because I needed to heal my body more and my body couldn't tolerate them, which was devastating when you work in the world of fermentation and you contribute to books and you teach and all this stuff. But I also try to practice what I preach best I can. And, you know, and and that's real, like, and my body just couldn't tolerate them. Yeah. Could you speak to like SIBO or histamine intolerance and how you would know that you're not tolerating fermented foods? Yeah. So histamine intolerance, um, some people have genetic markers where they just don't clear histamine well. Some people, um, their guts are a wreck. And because of that, they're not making enough DAO or HNMNT um, enzymes to clear histamine. Um, there's some other nuances to it, but in general. Um, so um, crap, I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. What was the question no, again? It's okay. So how would you even know that you're just not tolerating yeah. Histamine foods or fermented foods. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, things like runny nose, post-nasal drip, maybe you get stuffy. Um, 